Welcome everyone to KSQD Santa Cruz at 90.7 FM. I'm Jacob Sheckman, and you're listening to our show, What to Be, where we interview inspiring people and highlight their careers. What to Be is a program provided by Your Future is Our Business, a Santa Cruz County nonprofit dedicated to helping students explore careers through programs such as college and career expos, career panels, and other work-based learning activities. Please note the views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily represent or reflect those of Natural Bridges Media or Your Future is Our Business. The information provided during this program does not reflect this career in its entirety. All right, and finally, I am so excited to announce today's guest, uh, my good friend, former roommate, classmate, mentor, Brian Donovan is here to talk with us today. Brian, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thanks, Jake. I think roommates may be the highlight of those uh, career <laughs> career achievements. <laughs> I, I'm glad you feel that way, Brian. <laughs> Brian is here to talk to us today about his job and career as a research scientist. So, Brian, what exactly does it mean to to be a research scientist? And with which company are you doing your research? Yeah, so I work for a startup in the San Francisco Bay Area called Carbon, and we're a 3D printing company. And so my job is to really go out and identify areas where we think 3D printing can be advantageous for someone's manufacturing process. So, you know, if someone wants to make a part that fits in a, in a small spot in a car, that can be really hard to machine down and mill or produce in some conventional ways. And so with 3D printing, we can basically control the shape of an object with light. And so we can print these small little objects on demand uh, to do very specific jobs. Can you tell us a, a little bit of how does this 3D printing work? And what do you mean by you're controlling the shape of an object with light? Yeah, so our process, usually what you'd have is a, you'd have a bowl of, of liquid, essentially. And these liquids are reactive and they can link together to form uh, what's called a polymer. And so I think everyone probably has a polymer somewhere in front of them. Our headphones here are polymers. Uh, your couch can be made of polymers. Polymers are just long chains that stick together. Once they're stuck together, they don't fall apart. And so what we do is we take these liquid materials, and, and that's part of my job too, is deciding what we actually want to put in there. Do we want it to be high strength? Do we want it to be fireproof? Do I want to be able to hit it with a baseball bat and have it not break? You know, things like that. And then we can take uh, basically what's a projector. You know, if you took a classroom projector, let's say, and you can shine different patterns of, of light on that pool of liquid. And what you start to do is that depending on what that light looks like, you form a polymer in that same shape. So if I shine a circle on this thing of light, I'll form a circle. If I shine a square, I'll form a square. Uh, and obviously you can get much more complicated than that. And then you start to build a part piece by piece and you pull it out of this liquid as you continue to shine light on it. Okay, so um, let me just break this down. Make sure you 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 shine light in a certain shape on this pool of, of chemicals, and you pull from the top up, right? Yep. And so we're shining from the bottom, and we're pulling from the top. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. And so what? Wow. What? Where do you even start with that? What a complicated process, right? Like what? When you show up on a Tuesday, what is it? What does it look like in a in a normal world where you know everyone can be at work? Yeah. So like I, I sort of briefly mentioned there, my job is really what do we want the liquid to be? And so you can control 
the property of a material by changing what sort of mixture you have in that liquid. And so uh, again, to use like fireproofing is a, is a good example. So if you've ever lit a piece of plastic on fire, it, it burns pretty quickly. And this can be a problem in certain industries. Like imagine if you don't want your car engine to light on fire, you don't want any of those parts to light on fire. So we can add things to this liquid that essentially makes things fireproof. And that's, just, that's one example of what we do. And so when I come in on a given day, I'll mix up a, a series of what we call monomers or additives. And we mix these, we have to make sure they mix correctly, that everything stays mixed. And then we try and print it. And uh, as you might've already been able to tell, printing is not the easiest thing <laughs> in the world. So a lot of my job is fixing problems that I didn't expect. And so I might have a great idea on paper that says if I mix A, B, and C, I'll get a fireproof material. And then I print it and I light it on fire and it burns immediately. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it's it's tough to get it to work out like you'd like every time. Yeah, but that's part of research. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, right? It's the trial and error sort of. And how how did you get into research, right? Where where were you before you got into this whole industry aspect? Oh man, I have such a cheesy answer for this, oh, but please, I'm go yeah, for it. absolutely. <laughs> so I got kind of lucky. I always liked science and uh I think I really probably should have been an engineer, but I wasn't good at math. <laughs> so I really liked like Legos and stuff like that. And basically you can build these things and you can take this little block and I can make like a robot or a train or, you know, whatever, whatever your mind can come up with. It's the opportunity to be pretty creative. Chemistry is the exact same thing, just on a much smaller scale. And you can take your little building blocks and you can put them all together. And then when you're done, you have something that you can hold in your hand that has a function or does a job. That's something I always liked and I was always interested in. And that that's what really kept me in school all the way through grad school. Was, it, was there a specific introduction to the field of chemistry that, that you saw and you were like, whoa, I need to look at this stuff? Yep. I had a, uh, a teacher in high school <laughs> who was a crazy man. I mean, <laughs> if you picture a, a, a mad scientist, he's, he is this guy. And uh, it just excited me. I enjoyed being in that environment and I enjoyed learning from him. And it was nice to see that you can do some of these things and that there's a, there's a career for it. Not that I was necessarily thinking of that at the time, but I knew I could keep doing chemistry each step along the way. And I, I had always liked putting things together. And then he was really the first person who showed me that there's more one than one way to put things together that can mean that can mean a lot of things, whether you're playing with Legos or you're mixing liquid together in a 3D printer. Okay, so clearly this is all, none of this is easy stuff to do. So can you give a, a brief rundown of the extensive education that you've had to get to, to reach the point where you're at now? Yeah. So, you know, I, I kind of, I did only discovered polymers my last year of college. Um, I had been doing chemistry up to that, basically through high school, taking AP classes, trying to do as much chemistry as I could. And then in college, I, I took a very broad chemistry degree 
Uh, and then I took an elective class my senior year that was polymers. And I was like, oh, that seems cool. Why don't I, <laughs> why don't I do that? <laughs> and that uh, took me all the way to Hattiesburg, Mississippi, where I spent five years uh, working on a PhD in polymer science and engineering. And then after that, I had considered going uh, and being a professor. And so you do what's called a postdoc, or postgraduate work, which is basically grad school 2.0. You have a little more responsibility, takes a little more time. Um, I did that for about three years. So I would say I was in I was in a form of grad school for probably close to eight years. Wow. Yeah, it's it's a lot, but it's worth it because I mean, this is something that people I don't think hear too often is that when you go to graduate school for the sciences or your STEM field, uh, you can get your tuition paid for and you get paid to go which is really, really nice. So they basically pay you to be in school. And uh, it would have been hard for me to do it any other way. So again, just kind of lucky that my, I like science. I was a nerd. <laughs> I'm a nerd. <laughs> yeah, it's it's awesome. You, you utilize that though, to take that privilege to be paid to learn, right? That's where you know, it should be an ultimate goal, really. Now, what, what would you say are some of the, uh, can you list any hard or soft skills that you think are particularly beneficial for this kind of work? Yeah, I mean, there's, I'd say there's some, um, you know, that are, are pretty obvious. Like you have to be, you have to be hardworking and motivated. There's no doubt about that. A lot of research is doing things wrong and it gets frustrating pretty quickly to feel, to feel like you're, you're failing basically, but you're not, what you're really doing is learning. And so you need to keep that in mind that even if something doesn't work the way you thought it would, that doesn't mean that's bad. So kind of keeping that mentality in the back of your mind is important to getting through, you know, five years of schooling. The other part I would say that's really important is being able to communicate well. And so learning to give presentations and maybe even more importantly is learning to listen. Because there's a lot of people who do say polymers like me, for example, who are much, much smarter than me. <laughs> and so there's always something new to learn. And uh, it's important to be listening um, to what those people say. And then being able to engage them in conversation, being able to pull more and more information from the people around you. It's just a great way to stay, to stay on top, stay, stay engaged in the, uh, in what can be very challenging subject matter. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know I've mentioned it before with this class, but communication has been a theme and it's just so important in life, guys. Really, it's going to carry you really far. Now, I, I want to touch on the uh, the frustration that you you talked about a little bit, because something that I obviously experienced as well, and it, it's tough to to get through that cycle in grad school of show up in the lab, try a project, project or experiment and experiment fails. Right. And it's really success is far and few between, but it's just so valuable each time. So what how do you how did you build that resilience that you needed to to get between successes? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think I think one of the biggest things you can do is have have other things you're passionate about. If your life, if your passion is only about your job. In a job where things go wrong all the time, that means things are going wrong in your life all the time. And that's really, really tough to deal with. So having a good friends group, having a good roommate uh, is important. Some, some place you can go and you can relax, whether that's 
whether you're into running or maybe you like video games or you want to hike or you want to play cards, I don't know, what have you, just having any way to, to just put, put the work aside for a few minutes and let yourself relax. And then the other side of that is if you, you have to like to learn because in every failure, there's a lesson. And the only way you'll get over that failure is if you learn the lesson and, and that can be challenging. So, you know, I enjoy learning ultimately. And uh, when things go wrong, you know, sometimes it can be really tough and maybe I need to take a break. But then when you come back in, you think, okay, why did it go wrong? And what am I going to do different? How can I do something different to get over that and, and to achieve what I, what I want? What was something you found surprising when you moved on from, from grad school into, uh, you, you mentioned actually you went into uh, a postdoc. So I will, let's go one step further, I guess. When you went from academia into the industry, what was surprising about that transition, if anything? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that in industry, there's, um, how do I phrase this? There's sort of a directness to the problem solving. So in industry, it's like, is it going back to use my, my simple flame proof example? It's like, Hey, we need something flame proof. The end, you have to do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> which can be really intense, but there's something almost simple about that. If you know exactly what your problem is, it just makes it much easier to, to be narrow and focused on solving that problem. I really appreciated that moving from academics to industry. There's a, there's a freedom to academics where I can sort of explore what I'd like to, but you can, it's like looking into an infinite black hole. I mean, there's a million <laughs> things you can do, which can be uh, intimidating in, in its own way. who are just tuning in, you're listening to What to Be at KSQD 90.7 FM in Santa Cruz. I'm Jacob Sheckman, and today we're speaking with my guest, Brian Donovan, and learning about his career journey to becoming a research scientist. All right, Brian. So uh, first question I've got on the block from our students, who would you say has been the most helpful in your career and how did they help you? Hmm. That's a great question. So in graduate school and in postdocs, you have what's called an advisor. So there's anywhere from one to two to 10 to 15 to 20 people who work in a lab together, and they are all sort of working on, on very similar related things. And there's an advisor who's responsible for sort of managing all these people. And so my graduate advisor, give Derek Patton a shout out here. Uh, we got along really well. And I would say, you know, you guys have some time, but if you do end up in graduate school, it's important to pick somebody who you have a good relationship with because you're going to spend a lot of time with them and they're going to be very directly involved in your life, especially your professional life. And so I had an advisor who helped me in the early stages learn, kind of helped me learn what research was. And then uh, I think inevitably uh, or eventually became a friend. So that's kind of best case scenario in my book. Yeah. So Derek had big influence on my career. Yeah. Shout out Dr. DLP. What a guy. Right. <laughs> All right. DLP is an acronym for a 3D printing process. How about that? What, what does it stand for? What is it? Digital light processing, digital light projection, something like that. Is that similar to what you're doing? 
Yeah. Okay. Very, Wonderful. Very much so. That's That makes a lot of sense then that you had that advisor. So uh, another question we have here is, uh, what would you say has maybe been your biggest achievement in this career so far? That's a, that's a really good questions. My biggest achievement. I would say um, this is kind of a, a soft skill, but I'm, something I'm very proud of and something that University of Southern Mississippi, I think, did really well. I'm pretty proud of my ability to give a presentation. Um, so my communication skills as I give an interview, boy, I sure hope you guys think so. <laughs> but in a technical setting, my ability to convey information to audiences who maybe don't always get it is something that I'm pretty, pretty pleased with. I've published some papers and I have a patent and that feels pretty good too. But I, I'm more pleased about things that can help other people learn. And whether that's about, about my work or someone else's, that's always made me feel, feel pretty good. So I'm pretty proud of that. Can, can you talk a little bit about the kind of work that goes into publishing a paper or getting a patent just to give us a frame of reference for why that's important? Yeah. So, so papers are kind of the way, at least in graduate school, kind of how you make your presence known. And so if you do five years of research and nobody reads about it, did it ever happen? <laughs> you know, of course it did. But um, it's important that if you want to move on in your career, you basically have a, a paper trail. Um, so a paper is a completed body of work, which is challenging to do. So, you know, it starts all the way with, I have an idea that I think, I think will work. I think if I, if I mix these materials together, I can make something flame proof. And then you go through and you run a bunch of experiments that you design yourself to prove that point or disprove it. And then when all is said and done, you kind of you wrap all that together and you write a paper, which summarizes what you did and what you learned. And those uh, eventually get published in journals and are a nice little way to memorialize your work and to share with others in the community. Maybe someone else was thinking about making something flame proof and they didn't know how to do it, or maybe they have a different way. And it's very collaborative in that way that reading and writing, I would say learning how to write well is, is maybe equally as important as being able to present your work well. Yeah, absolutely. It comes back down to communication, guys, right? How can you translate these complex ideas if you can't get the point across? So uh, we have uh, another question popping up here. If you weren't in this current field, if you didn't end up in chemistry, and I want to say maybe if you didn't end up in engineering too, because that sounds like an easy answer for you. What do you think, What do you have any idea what other field you might have found an interest in? Oh, uh I mean, there's like the childish one um, or like, the, you know, the younger one. I would have loved to be a fighter pilot. I think that would have been. Oh, yeah. Really okay. Cool. Um, but what I really think, I, I probably would have been a teacher. That's what I think I would have done. A lot of my family is teachers. And I just think it's, uh, I don't know, it's so important. Like, how can you, you can't place a value on that. So I would, I would have liked to teach. And I still hope to maybe do that one day. Yeah, absolutely. Something that you can definitely do down the line. What if you can bring yourself back to maybe when you were in eighth grade and really probably I imagine just getting into really into the sciences at that point, what what sorts of things were you finding yourself doing to sort of exercise that scientific curiosity you had? Yeah. So like I said, I was I was big into making things myself at home. So I never quite got into robotics, but I think that's that's probably something really cool to try. It's maybe a little more engineering, but just 
you know, I really like to tinker with things. I like to try and fix things. And then I was, I was fortunate that at school we had, uh, I'm not sure if anybody's ever done it. We used to do these solar car races and those were pretty fun. I mean, we had really basic solar panels, uh, then, but you try and get your car to run off of the sun and, uh, ours never worked. (laughs) Uh, but I really enjoyed, uh, I really enjoyed trying that. Yeah, yeah, that hands-on stuff, the sort of the classic science demonstrations, things that really get you going. Yeah, nothing beats it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what would you say is maybe going back to your your job now um, is the most stressful part? Yeah, uh, time timelines, time. So, like I mentioned, the, the projects that you work on or the problems you try to solve are are very direct. But now there's quite a bit of money involved. You know, these are businesses that have to stay afloat. How much money? Uh, millions and millions of dollars. <laughs> I mean, a lot of money. Um, I'm in a startup, so we're competing against bigger companies who have been doing this for longer. So that's pretty stressful. So solving the, you know, the problem is right in front of you, but now you have a much shorter time to solve it, uh, and that can be that can be pretty pretty intense, you know, with COVID going on now, especially uh, we've had to work from home and being a research scientist, you have to go in and work with your hands. Uh, so there's really no replacement for that. And so we can already kind of feel the pressure, <laughs> the pressure coming here uh, as we, we sort of open things back up. Who, who exactly is, is applying the, the pressure? Is it the people that are giving the money? Where, where is this coming from? And, and how do you deal with that? Yeah, I think it comes from multiple places. I mean, one, there's there's obviously, uh, you know, a, a company has a strategy and they they say, well, we want we want to insert ourselves into this product region. I want to make flame-proof material for cars. And then, okay, so what does that take? Who are we competing against? And how much how much of that market exists? You know, does does Chrysler buy a billion dollars worth of these parts per year. It's like, okay, how much of that can we secure? And then if we want to secure that money, if we want to secure that market, what, what does our material have to, how does it have to perform? Like how flame proof does it have to be? How strong does it have to be? And then that comes down to me where we, we design the material to meet those product specifications. And so I would say it's imposed at, at multiple levels. There's a, a company-wide level. I'm in what's called the materials team. There's a materials team level. And then there's a personal level too, where it's like, I, I'm you know, still competitive. I want to be successful. And uh, you know, it's, it's part of the job is, is wanting to get it right because it feels really good when you, you make, you're making something. I'm making something. Yeah. I am designing something myself. Yeah, that's. It's awesome when that works. It feels really good. Absolutely, man. So clearly, as <clears throat> as you're talking, that you you found yourself in a career that you you enjoy. It, you've it's there have been struggles, but bottom line, you like it. You love it. Um, you want more of it. And uh, <laughs> I couldn't resist. So, but that said, is there anything you still wish that you would have known ahead of time before you know getting into it? Something that maybe would have gotten rid of the stresses that didn't really need to be there yeah i um i as was and am uh a bit quiet when it comes to my professional environment 
And I wish somebody would have told me a little earlier on to develop uh, relationships with people around me. Um, so relationships between say a student and a teacher or a student and an advisor and sort of, uh, you know, it sounds kind of cheesy to say, but expanding your network. Um, so I was a little insular when it came to that. I, I knew my advisor, Derek, uh, who, who really helped me out. But if you want to go to the next step, you need to have more relationships with more people. And that's not to say that I didn't have any, but I could have made some stronger relationships. That really helps propel you in the sciences uh, quite a bit. And I think you can do that while staying honest to, to who you are. Like I'm not particularly, uh, you know, I'm not like an outlandish <laughs> sort of uh, aggressive personality, but. Right. But you learned how to, how to speak with and, and just interact with people like you maybe weren't doing before. When, when you say that uh, you started out a little insular, was that at the beginning of grad school that you were kind of uh, like that? Yeah, I think, I mean, I've been like that my whole life. Sure. I, I'd sort of like to s stick to myself in some ways, but. Um, but was it, was it the, that graduate experience that sort of made that transformation happen? Yeah, I would say so. Um, I think going to grad school, grad school is hard to do on your own. And so you you need to have a support network. And uh, I had a fairly large first year class so that this is all the students who joined the, the program at the same time I did. And we got along really well. And so that's, that's a really great way to build confidence. Um, it helps, you know, you run into a problem, you don't have to solve it on your own. You can ask your your classmate, what the problem is, and you can solve it together. Yeah, that's that's that was really helpful. Nice. Yeah, I, I agree to that. Southern Miss really did kind of help build a, a, a team working experience. Mm -hmm. uh, we're in our last couple minutes here. I, I've got one more question. This will be the last one I think when we get in. If you could change anything in the way your job works, what would it be? Anything in the way my job works. That's a good one. I wish, I wish people were a little more honest about their failures. I think that would be helpful because especially in the academic world, uh, maybe not so much in industry, but, but even still there, you, know, you are surrounded by competitive people and everybody wants to be right. <laughs> Nobody wants to be wrong, but <laughs> only one person can be right sometimes. So uh, I wish people, uh, I wish we could we could be a little more honest about that. Cause I don't think that's, that's not a bad thing to be wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong all the time. <laughs> um, but it's good to have people tell you that you're wrong and why you're wrong. That's another way it helps you learn. So yeah, I wish people shared their mistakes uh, a little more openly. I think that would be good for everybody involved. All right. And I just, the last thing, anything you want to send our listeners off with any, any advice, any career advice, maybe for getting into the sciences, if they're thinking of, doing something similar down their career journey? Yeah, for getting into the sciences, I would, uh, I would say, yeah, be prepared to work hard, uh, but make sure to have some outlets. Make sure to have, uh, develop yourself in more ways than just your career, because this career can be, uh, it can be very difficult, it can be very taxing, it's mentally tough. So it's really important to, to have things you like to do outside of work. Um, and talk to your teachers, develop good relationships with them, develop good relationships with, with the higher ups around you. That, that always helps. Awesome. Excellent advice. 
Thank you so much, Brian, for being on the show today. I, I really appreciate it. I hope today's class really enjoyed it. I'm sure they did. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And I hope everyone goes on to do great things. All right. That's Brian Donovan, 3D printing extraordinaire. Make sure it's fireproof. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to today's career story. I'm Jacob Sheckman, and this is our show, What to Be, with today's guest, Brian Donovan, a research scientist. If you have any questions or would like to share your career story with us, send us an email at whattoberadio at gmail.com. If you enjoyed our show, please join us again at 90.7 FM K-Squid Santa Cruz at 7 p.m. on Sundays, stream online at ksqd.org, or visit our website, yfiob.org, for more ways to listen. Thank you, and see you next time.